At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome everyone to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trainer. Thanks for listening. Hope you are all safe and healthy and staying in and surviving the madness that we have been going through. Good. Not good. Great. I'm actually going to pump it up. Great podcast today. We've got Peter Schrager from the NFL Network and Fox Sports on the show. We covered a million topics. Um, Got into broadcasting booths, three people versus two people who we think could be good for Monday night football, what we like, what we don't like from announcers talked about watching old games. We talked about the last dance went in depth on Michael Jordan. we talked about some issues we might have with the last dance that you won't hear anywhere else because ESPN people are not going to criticize it. Uh, we discussed the NFL schedule in terms of Christmas and Thanksgiving. We discussed, um, what we're going through here a little bit with the quarantine and what, how that will affect NFL teams and what NFL front offices think about what's going on. So we get into a little bit of that and um, really covered a bunch of topics with Peter Schrager, who of course is on good morning football Monday through Friday on the NFL network and works for Fox sports and does sidelines for them as well. So that is this week's show. It's really good. Peter was great. Last week, Ian Eagle from CBS was on the show. Two weeks ago, Chris Long. And three weeks ago, Michael Imperioli and Steve Sharippa from The Sopranos. So if you missed any of those, you can dip into the archives and give those a listen. If you're not a subscriber to the SI Media Podcast, please hit the subscribe button. It helps me tremendously. And uh, that's it. Let's get to this week's show right now with the always fun Peter Schrager. Okay, joining me now, one of my favorites from... The best morning show on television, also from Fox Sports. Peter Schrager hasn't been on in a while. Schrager, how's it going? Jimmy, how we doing? Thanks for inviting me onto the podcast. Uh, you you know you have an open invite anytime. You you have so many good like pop culture takes. I always love mixing it up with you. Um, I gotta thank you though. All you guys doing podcasts. I swear. I I don't know if I'm an every week listener when it's non quarantine time, but. The audio medium of podcasts I find to be a lot more palatable than sitting in front of a TV all day when you're in the house on the couch. I like being able to go outside, listening, walking, and your podcast has been great. The Iron Eagle one, I must say, is a required listen, one of the great personalities of our game, and you guys did a fantastic job with him. I appreciate that. I get zero credit. Ian was tremendous. Just him imitating Raftery and Chris Russo and the stories he has. Jerry Jones. uh, He he was phenomenal last week. He really was. Yeah. One of the one of the best guys in sports media. That's you you always hear that about everyone, you know. And we'll just. I mean, hell, we're doing a pot. Let's just start off and go on an Ian Eagle conversation. So I did. 
I did preseason for the Jets this year. It was me, Anthony Becht, and Ian Eagle. Ian is like a ship captain out at sea, like just yeah. guiding the broadcast. Could not be more encouraging. But I go back so far with Ian that like when I first started doing this in 03, 04, he knew I was a Nets fan because I would call in WFAN wow. and want to talk about New Jersey Nets basketball. He was the voice of the Nets. And one day uh, we were emailing and he was like, want to go to a game? Here, here you go. Got me tickets to a Nets game at the Brendan Byrne Arena. Wow. Iron Eagle. This was back when I was like blogging for whatever yeah. website would take it. Uh, that is salt of the earth. That's a good man right there. That's a great, yeah. You, did you know that Mike Breen used, when he, when he, when he does the Knicks games, not, I don't know if he does it with the national ESPN games, but when he does the Knicks games before the games, he goes to the, like the rafters finds like, you know, dad and his son, mom and so, mom and dad and kid and brings them down to like lower seats. Does that for every game. It's fantastic. I get, yeah. I can't speak for the, uh, the analysts cause they're usually ex players and ex coaches. And there's always a little bit of a guard up with those guys. Um, I would be really challenged to find a play-by-play guy at the top levels, the Mike Breens, the Ian Eagles, the Joe Bucks, yeah. the Jim Nances, who are assholes. Like those guys are genuinely like incredibly hardworking people and some of the nicest guys. Like, I don't know if you ever met Kenny Albert. He's like the nicest dude you'll ever yeah. meet. Like those guys, Kevin Burkhart, just nice yep. guy, like grinders, but like totally get it and are self-aware and understand that. It's the game, not really them, that people are tuning in to watch and yeah. I, stuff like that. You'll always hear stories. It's usually the play-by-play guys going above and beyond. And those, and there's nobody in, you know, outside of the players. Obviously, there's nobody in sports who gets more shit than the play-by-play guys yeah, because no. people think they hate their teams. They make one mistake. You know, idiots like me blow it up and write a whole column about it. It's you know, the, the microscope is on those guys, especially in the NFL. No, and it's this. It's I can do what you're doing. Like Kurt right, Warner's right. talking, or Chris yeah. Collinsworth's talking. The guy at home knows. I didn't have the career Chris Collinsworth or Kurt Warner had, but if Mike Tarico's talking like, well, who's, what did he ever play? I could talk right. like that. No, 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 no. It's probably the hardest thing to do is play by play. I don't even know if I could try have, to do it. Have you ever had interest in doing color? I know your network Fox has the number two spot open right now with, with Burkhardt. Do you want to make a pitch to Jacob Ullman or, uh, Eric Shanks here? Would you, is that anything you'd ever want to do? Of course. But I think with me, it would be more, as like the Kornheiser, Dennis Miller, not as necessarily with wisecracks, but like I did preseason for the Rams two years ago with Nate Burleson and Andrew Siciliano up in the booth. I like being the third man in. And then a lot of times when I do sidelines, I chime in, right. but I love, I would love the opportunity to get up in the booth, maybe not on a full-time gig for a game here, a game there. Cause I speak to every team president, general manager, coach, right. and it's not just in the production meeting. I do think there's a place for the writer still. And like, Kornheiser had that opportunity. I'm trying to think if there's any others. Simmons, I think, did a couple games in the college game, maybe. He did the studio show. But, like, you don't see many of the guys who are, like, sports media guys who are connected being put in that booth. Like, with the Monday Night gig, they're talking about, like, put Pat McAfee as the third guy. And, like, I'd be curious to hear Schefter in the booth. And he's got all that knowledge and all the insight and talks to everybody. And I'd be curious to hear some of the conversations. Like I have no problem sharing that stuff on good morning football every morning. Right. I think that on a broadcast would be fun, but no, I'm not going to pitch for anything more than what they want to give me. I, I'm it, very quite happy with that, with, with what, I, what I do at Fox. But you would, you wouldn't mind doing a game as an analyst. So I know Jacob Albin listens to this podcast, so maybe he can hear this and let's get Peter. I in think the it would come game. across as hubris of me saying, Oh, I can I do what they do. I'm saying it. I'm saying I'm not breaking it. down um, any replays. I'm not telling you what happened in the three, four scheme, but if you want to know why Brandon Bean has a connection with Sean McDermott, I'm your guy, you know, like I can give you the backstory, give you a little more information. I think you'd, you'd sound smarter the next morning at the water cooler after listening to a broadcast with one of the guys in my roles as opposed to not having it. So am I making a, uh, a case for myself? No, but if there is a guy, a writer or anything, I, would, I wouldn't mind hearing some thoughts on a broadcast every once in a while from someone other than the ex-player or the ex-coach. So it's, it's amazing to me that you've brought this up because I didn't really plan on getting into the Monday night football thing and the Fox needs a number two analyst thing. I was saving. I, so I'll like, make this about me for a minute and pull back the curtain. So like um, when I wrote my column today on, we're taping this Tuesday afternoon. So when I wrote train of thoughts on Tuesday morning, I was going to write about Monday night football and what they should do because they formally announced test and Booger won't be back. And then I was surfing around the web and I saw a lot of people, a lot of media people have done that. So I'm like, you know what, let me save that for maybe, to, you know, Wednesday or Thursday 
when it could stand out a little more. And then I had this story about Lamar Jackson eats shrimp Alfredo before every single game. Well, that's certainly more important. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I can mention the office. So I went with that. Um, so I'm going to write about this Wednesday or Thursday, but I'll discuss it with you on a couple. So, because I think I saw my good friend, Richard Deitch, he had written something that said ESPN should go with, I think Steve Levy might do play by play. And then I think he mentioned Riddick and I forgot, maybe Orlovsky. I forgot who it was, whatever. Whatever it was, he named three people. And I despise the three-person booth in almost every sport, especially the NFL. And I think if you look at the good teams today, which are obviously Buck and Aikman and Nance and Romo and Michaels and Colin, it's two people. But the way you're presenting the third person, I think – see, I think maybe ESPN maybe thought maybe they'd do that with when they had Booger on the crane. But I do think if you have your traditional play-by-play person, traditional analyst, and then someone like you who can come in with the anecdotes and the stories about all the people you talk to during the week, that works. But when you have two people in the booth trying to analyze a three-yard run, it's brutal. Yeah, so – I go back and forth on it because sometimes it's worked. Like I worked on a crew a couple years ago where it was play-by-play was Tom Brenneman and then Charles Davis and Chris Spielman. And they're completely opposite types of analysts. And mm-hmm. it really worked. Like, And they were so selfless, giving up half their analysis to do it. But that has to be the case. It has to be where the two guys are willing to cede to the other and say, okay, well, you're going to take the lead on this one and I'll echo you. It's it. It can't work in a in a bub in a um, in two silos. Like it can't have. Here's the play, and then here's analyst X giving his thoughts, and here's analyst Z not even right. responding right. to what X is saying, and then t- doing what he takes. Now, to me, I, you know, Dennis Miller. I, I went back because now is the time to do it if you can. Like go back yeah. and watch old broadcasts. Like I went back, I watched the Jets Dolphins game, the famous Jumbo Elliott game, and like Dennis Miller's on the call, and. I didn't hate it, but like I could see where it would grade after 16 weeks where you've got yeah, a comedian. Yeah, now yeah. everyone could talk about Miller now and his politics, and I'm not going there, especially not on a podcast that, that you know Twitter listens to. But at the time, hmm. he's referencing you know 1780s you know comedy from Russian oligarchs, you know whatever it is. But it was unique. It was different. And then right. I almost wish there was another year of it where we could see, okay, how'd this go? Kornheiser. I went back and listened to the 2006 it was Mike Tirico, Joe Theismann, Tony Kornheiser, 2006, the famous comeback by the Bears on Monday Night Football, the Dennis Green, you know, you want to crown their asses, crown their asses right. game. And Kornheiser is, you know, some of his stuff seemed like it was written maybe, uh, you know, four days earlier and he's got it on a pad and he's going to read word for word. But like, there is a place for it because Kornheiser comes in and he's flamethrowing. He's like, the Bears haven't had a good quarterback since Sid Luckman, like, let's just call it like it is. And he's not like scared to say things. I, yeah. I look at a Bill Simmons. I look at a Ryan Rossillo. I look at some of these guys who right. are opinionists, but are also diehard fans of the game and say, there might be a place for that. And then I look at some of the guys who are just really connected. Like, I don't know, like w- Peter King has an article every Monday morning that people read around the league. People talk to Peter King. Right. Is it the worst thought to have Peter King in the booth instead of another ex player and have three right. guys that way. I, just an idea. And no, I agree. I think now if especially there's chance to like experiment where all the walls seem to be being torn down and being broken. And I don't work as a sports television executive, but the Monday night gig, like, I don't know, I think Booger was a swing with the mobile and it didn't work and whatever, but it doesn't mean we have to go and just do the standard here's play by play guy. Here's right. analyst. Here's analyst too. And let's just go and roll it out. Like maybe we do take a little risk and, Try someone new in that well, seat. That, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 a very fine line because I agree with you that you want something different. You want some risks. Now, ESPN can then turn around and say, well, you know, we tried that with the booger on the crane, but that was stupid. I agree that you can mix things up with a third person in the booth. And like you said, you can do an information person like yourself or Peter King or do someone opinionist Russello. Now, whenever the Monday Night Football thing gets brought up now, because he has a lot of followers on Twitter, there's like this big Pat McAfee um, groundswell. And, you know, my thing on McAfee is, you know, whether he's your cup or tea or not, I w- just as someone who covers media would be shocked if ESPN ever hired him for Monday Night Football because Monday Night ESPN still thinks Monday Night Football is a big deal. The league thinks Monday Night Football is a big deal. I don't think that hire would get approved. That's just my opinion, but I don't know. 
I don't know. I'd, I, I, I'd be open to it. I mean, at the very least, I, I like the idea of being outside the box. If it even is outside the box, like right. See, McAfee, I see. Like he said, he's like a very popular guy, and I think he actually gets good guests on his show on YouTube right. that I watch. Like you know, I, I don't get, think he's so disconnected either. So I wouldn't be against it, and I'm not against anything. I right. look, Dan Orlovsky's a guy who we put on Good Morning Football because he was tweeting cool videos of uh, you know, here's my analysis of why Carson Wentz is a good quarterback. I sent them an invite over text and hey, why don't you come on Good Morning Football? He came on, he knocked it out of the park. Get you know, it wasn't because of me, it was because of him. The two of us have remained very good friends. We always talk, and I am so proud of Dan for going from the stigma of you didn't play at the highest level. Watch that you ran out of the back of the end zone to really tearing that down through good work and yeah. good analysis and showing personality. To now he's become so undeniable that if Dan Orlovsky is sitting in the Monday night booth. I don't think there's many people who follow football who would say, what the hell is he doing up here? I think he has shown through just the opportunity that you don't necessarily need to have seven Pro Bowls, six passing championships to have a chance to have an opinion on the game. Sometimes it's the students of the game that mm-hmm. we want to hear from most. Right. That's a good point. Um, I love it. We covered like 12 minutes and I didn't plan on talking about any of this stuff. <laughs> um, I didn't even mention that, you know. You're doing Good Morning Football every morning now. You've you're doing. I know you're doing some Fox. I saw you with Aaron and Carissa doing some stuff show. with Fox. It's um, a good show. We're doing a thing, me, Carissa, and Aaron, where it's like they were like, let's just put this thing together. But we got good guests. We got Travis Kelsey. Got Henry uh, Henry Ruggs there. Anyway, it's the three of us sitting in quarantine for a half right. hour, and Carissa and Aaron are awesome, and then we talk about what happened in the week in football. It's like it's such like a low maintenance show. We just put it on and we talk and it's they're the two of them talk to everyone in the NFL too. So this is like the time to try this stuff. And I'm happy right. to be a part of that and good morning football, which is still live three hours every morning. And I'm so proud of our show on NFL network for not only getting back on air, which was a technical nightmare, but now we're kind of in a groove and even from our respective homes doing the show. And Jimmy, I know you watch, you tweet at it, but like, I'll put the content we're putting out every day up against anything because it's hard when there's no sports. And I think we're giving some people something to watch and talk about. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because I I have, I'm always torn because I'm very lucky that my guy Howard Stern is only on three days a week because I can really lock into you guys on Thursday and Fridays when he's (laughs) not on on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Like I got to monitor who he has on, but I keep you guys on the TV. And it's funny because sometimes if I'm listening to him, if he has, you know, a guest I'm interested in, I look up and I either see, you know, Kyle's either dancing or you are, I see you're about to fall off your chair laughing. I mean, sometimes without the sound, I could laugh from your show. No, I Um, appreciate it. (laughs) uh, What I did want to, so I did have a list of topics to get into. Let's go. Let's so. The NFL is proceeding here at business as usual. They did the schedule release last week. And I don't want to break down this, you know, this team's schedule. That, that's for the experts like you. Uh, there's There were two or three things that stood out to me. The first is I absolutely love what they're doing on Christmas Day with a 430 Vikings-Saints game. Like, by four, like, okay, so maybe it's because I'm Italian. Yep. But I'm, you know, we do the, like Christmas Eve is a bigger deal in my family than Christmas day. We do the big fish dinner on Christmas yep. Eve and we're up late and Christmas day is a really low key day. And by four 30, I'm ready to be left alone. And the couch Vikings, I love, I like that better than a night game too. Four 30. I love that on Christmas day. Your thoughts on that one. I love it. And it's a yeah. Friday afternoon. It's really random. It's not like they you know, traditionally have it. It's the first Friday afternoon NFL game I think we've had because going back, I don't think we've ever done it. Now, I am a huge fan of Saturday football during the month of December NFL. I got to do a Saturday game last year. I was on the sidelines for Patriots Bills in week 15, I think it was, or week 16. And it was awesome. I love the Saturday game. I think a Friday game on on Christmas is fantastic. And I love the matchup. The yep. NFL could have easily said, here's Jaguars, Titans, or here's, you know, Bengals, Broncos, two teams that haven't made the playoffs. They're like, no, we're going to take probably one of the best playoff games we've seen uh, in the last 12 months, the Viking Saints that went down to the wire in overtime in New Orleans. And we're going to run it right back. And we're going to put the Vikings right back down in the Superdome. So I love that idea. And I thought yeah. it was creative from the NFL. Now, I, I, I feel like the NFL now, they're at the point where no matter what two teams, no matter what the matchups are on Thanksgiving, those games are going to get a monster rating no matter what. It's just, it's part of Americana. It's part of life. But 
you cannot possibly get a more unsexy matchup than Lions Texans. <laughs> I know Deshaun Watson, JJ Watt, but I- I'm sorry that that is not one that like you got to make sure your ass is in front of the television at 12:30 on Thanksgiving. That that one's a little bit. You could have given me something there. Did you miss Mitch Trubisky versus David Blau last year? Uh, Bears versus. That's what I'm saying. Uh, you're going to watch it no matter what. They know they got you so that you're going to watch yes, it. And it's so good. Like this is honestly, while we're in this, this desert of, of football and sports and something to talk about right now in the middle of May in quarantine, yeah. I would sign up, run, walk. <laughs> I'll go Forrest Gump and grow a beard and run to Ford Field to see that game right, right now. Jim, right, what are we complaining right. about? I, I know, I know. Uh, but, you know, listen, you still got to analyze it as if, you know, <laughs> we're in a normal world. Now, they changed up the night game on things. It, it, last two years, it was Saints-Falcons. It's What was it? Steelers? Steelers-Ravens. Ravens yeah, yeah, Pittsburgh. yeah. That's a good one. That's a great a good one. one. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah. So they did, I think they, so they did a good day. Good job, Thanksgiving night. Love Christmas Day. Um. They did a great job altogether. Like, um, you know, week one, we're getting obviously a Thursday night, you know, kickoff with Mahomes versus Watson, which is cool. But sign me up for right out of the gates, Brady versus Breeze well, that, in New Orleans. Yeah, I wrote, I said it on Twitter and I wrote in the, that the rating for that game is going to be through the, and especially if they do that game with no fans in the stands, that's just going to help the rating because if people are still staying home, everyone because what Brady's first game as a buck brings in the fringe fan. Oh yeah. The people like you and I were like you said, you'll go, you know, light yourself on fire right now to go watch light lions, yeah. Texans. We're watching no matter what, but the person who's on the fence, who's not the diehard, maybe the person they will watch Tom Brady's first Fox will get a monster number for that game. Monster rating. And you know, it, what's an 80 points combined. Probably. Yeah. It'll be a shootout. I, I always like have an opportunity to break down the schedule on NFL Network the next few days because of our morning show. But because of this situation, the quarantine, the offseason becomes so fascinating. Some little thoughts that like I have, I'll follow up with people at the different teams. They'll be like, you're spot on. So for example, you want to hear a crazy thing? But like yeah. Sean McVay has no kids. Sean McVay has a fiance and Sean McVay has all the same technological stuff in his house. So whereas... Other coaches are dealing with potentially homeschooling and four kids jumping around their laps and dealing with all the same stuff that all of us are dealing with who have kids and families. Sean McVay has nothing but his film and, and just complete isolation to study and work on all that stuff. Like that's an advantage to me. Right. Um, right, right. Drew, Drew Brees knows Sean Payton's offense inside and out, never has to pick up a, a playbook to learn, you know, the whole verb. Tom Brady is learning from a completely new playbook with guys he's never played with, with a mm. coach, Bruce Arians, who he's never played for, and with Byron Leftwich, an ex-quarterback from his generation, who he's probably got small to no relationship with going into this thing. Like to me, advantage breeze. Like right. those little things. And I don't gamble, I don't do picks. I'm just I love like the inner workings of okay, strategy. How right. does this affect the team? A young quarterback with a new offensive coordinator, doesn't that not kill? You know, take it, take the Redskins. Dwayne Haskins, who struggled last year learning an offense, now has to go from that to an offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, who's really the OC for a team he's never been with, the Redskins. And, you know, Haskins doesn't know him. Like all that stuff is so fascinating to me. Yeah. And everyone says everything's got to be equal in the offseason with time you're with your team and all that stuff. Like, no, 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 no. Like teams like the Chiefs and the Saints are going to have a major advantage over teams with new offenses and new players all over the place. Uh, I, I'm glad you said this because you're allowing me a chance to plug something I did. I, I interviewed J.J. Watt last week. It's on if you Google J.J. Watt, Jimmy Trainer, J.J. Watt, SA.com, it'll come up. And I asked him how much preseason he would need to get ready for this. You know, who knows if preseason start on time, et cetera, how many preseason games, how much, how much preseason time would it, would it, would a football player need to get ready for the season if it started on time? And he brought up an excellent point, which I hadn't thought of in that every person in the league is different because they're all working out differently right now. You know, he's in Wisconsin on his ranch, which, you know, God only knows what kind of gym he's got up there where he said other guys might just have like two bands and they're running at their high school track. So mm-hmm. even for the players, you, you know, you brought up McVay and the coaches, even for the from, for the players from a training standpoint, there's a huge pendulum there. Yeah, and it's completely different team to team. I know one team that 
has requested that players take a photograph of the scale and tell me how they're weighing in every day and send Uh. it in to the trainers just so we could keep your weight maintenance and like see how that is. I know another team who says, all right, two hours, two days a week, we'll do the zoom stuff and we'll have guest speakers and we trust you guys to do your work on your own. Like there's a whole other strategy going on now with how you're going to manage the quarantine and the workout, both mentally. And then of course, like you just mentioned with JJ Watt physically, because Quite honestly, if you are a player who lives in the actual city, like, you know, some Eagles I know live in in apartment buildings with, you know, maybe 1,200 square feet in a family, like that's a very different situation to get your get your body in shape than what J.J. Watt's dealing with in the cabin in the woods. So I didn't hear a word you just said. I've been shaking ever since you said you have to take a picture of your weight and send it in. Trust me. Could you imagine? I know. No, have you had like have you had a big like quarantine indulgence? I a couple of weeks ago I went through a big Fritos fr- phase where I was eating way too many Fritos. Have you had like a quarantine indulgence that you you've had too much of? I went early bad. <laughs> like I went early like frozen pizza bad, and then I cut it back, and then now it's like I, you know we could talk all day about how life has changed, but yeah. You know, we got a kid. He's getting homeschooled. We've got. Uh, I work from home now. My wife works. We're, we're, we're working. It's tiring. And then at the end of the day, I, t- I convince myself it's okay to have five scoops right. of Ben and Jerry's. It's right. all, you earned this. Right. And that's the indulgence I'm going with. The Ben and Jerry's flies off the shelves these days. That's it's very, sure. very hot commodity. Yeah. At Bed Three Six Five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to talk to you about we got to talk about the show you did with Kyle Run It Back, and I want to get into something last night. And I want to talk to you about the last dance, but I got to. You mentioned homeschooling your son, and you mentioned you know McVeigh's there with no kids, so he doesn't have kids. Have you had an incident with like you're on live on Good Morning yes. Football, and your kid comes in the room? Right? Have you had any of that yet? Yes, and yeah. like Nate Nate Burleson was like doing like a passionate take on like. <laughs> I'm like, you know, like COVID-19 and the importance of what it is in Seattle and what a four, bo- four box, which in TV terms is that, that Brady Bunch screen you see where there's four people's faces on and like Nate's talking about like, you know, the local impact of coronavirus in Washington state. And my son just walks right in and is like, daddy, where's the, where's the toy car? You like, like the audio is on, the microphone's on. And it just is like, this is what yeah. it is. That's like, right. I don't know. Yeah. It is, what, is, is yeah. it endearing? Maybe. Yeah. Is it annoying? Perhaps. But listen, this is the way I it can't is. Be angry. It is what it is. I think, and I, I'm someone who's like, let it all roll. Don't try to fix it. Don't try to make it nice and let it all roll. Cause 
that's you know well yep. they have the day is a kyle's lights went out kyle's lights show. went out and yeah. we instead of us running from it and you know all right we're we're still in studio guys i was like no we leaned into it and i was like we just critiqued how budget his setup is like yeah he's got like a lamp you would have in your college dorm room and i'm like yeah. that's in your home so you bought that lamp for your home and then there was a whole discussion about kyle kyle going to ikea to you know <laughs> outfit his right downstairs basement when Adam Schefter looks like, you know, his is in the college <laughs> library at University of Michigan. Right, right. I had to, I have to, I have to tape a video every day for whatever the lead item in my column is. So I had to tape one today with about Lamar Jackson and the shrimp Alfredo that he eats before every game. And the guy taped the video with Robin Lumberg, who's our, our video host. His kid was like, you know, making a little noise before we started and they're trying to keep him quiet. And I said, listen, if he, if the kid is like, crying or making noise while we're shooting the video i'll tell robin to just stuff some shrimp alfredo down his throat exactly. and, you know shut him up and we'll be fine like just let it roll you know very no. very early on in this thing because we all remember the video of the guy on the bbc whose kid comes right right right, right. very early on in this thing i was watching nfl live on espn and it was like right at the start of free agency and matt hasselbeck's doing something from his basement and you see the treadmill in the background and the phone is shaking like wild <laughs> and i and i'm like what is this i kind of like it it's so budget and hasselbeck is a former star player and all this stuff and he's so smart and all and i texted him i'm like i don't know what was going on but i love the fact that like you're living life like the rest of us and he's like right my 16 year old daughter was filming that on on the iphone i'm like yes that's how it should be like that's yep. what life is yeah exactly and because we're in this situation you know, now the old games are in play. So you and Kyle, I'll just say this. I wrote a column early on in this, probably in mid-March when this all first started. And I made a plea to every network, every sport, every network, old games. We don't need new, because I think it was coming off where like ESPN was pumping up this classic NFL game and it was Chiefs Rams from last year. No, I need, I think the parameter I said is anything from 1980 to like 1995. Give me any game from that era, nothing before 95. And last night, we'll, we'll talk about running back because it fits into this. So on Monday night, NFL Network ran a 1994 season opener, Dolphins-Patriots, Parcells-Shula, Marino-Bledsoe, NBC game, play-by-play, Jim Lampley, mm -hmm. color, Todd Christensen, and it was phenomenal. It's Those delightful. are the games. I don't care. You could take any game from any NFL game from 1988. I don't care what the score is, what the who's in it, and just put it on and I'm going to watch it. Can I tell you my favorite part of The Last Dance? It's not the Michael Jordan looking at the iPad and the memes. Right, right. It's seeing Chris Gatling take Dennis Rodman in the post. It's seeing, yeah. you know, Detlef Schrempf in a Pacers jersey. It's That's the stuff. Yeah, It's the old player. So last night when I'm flicking through and I see that on NFL Network, Jimmy, we could talk about the broadcast elements of it, but what about Marion Butts? What about Ben Coates? Right. What about, you know, so, you know, Mark Ingram Sr. and Irving Fryer? Like, there is a real nostalgia to seeing these men and not the Hall of Famers, like the other guys that Kyle and I are leaning into also because we're doing this thing and I think that's what you were leading to yeah it we're doing a thing for nfl.com that they they might put on nfl network because the first one went really well but he and i go back and we rewatch games from yesteryear and it's not the classic super bowls that you've seen 30 times from nfl right. films it's a random playoff game or a random regular season game that you might remember and then we break it down not the plays not the famous moments when we hit all that but we're talking about what the hell is he wearing? Like Joe Montana is wearing Easton wristbands in the game right. that we did this week. We did 1993 Chiefs versus Oilers, a game where Joe Montana takes the Chiefs into the Astrodome. And every time the, the Oilers make a sack, they're playing whoop, there it is by tag team. And Kyle <laughs> and I break it down. Like yeah. that's exactly what you were doing last night on Twitter, tweeting about this game. Like what in the world is happening in this broadcast? And it's right. awesome. I love, yeah, I, I'm, I love the fact that you're doing a chief's oil. I, cause I was thinking to myself last night, I didn't tweet this, but in my head, I'm like, I'd love to see any game from the Astrodome Oilers run and shoot days. Love that's what that. This is, I love that you're doing that. I absolutely, I can't believe that's what you're doing. And you know, it's funny as I'm watching that game and I remember, I remember when I was a kid, my two favorite running backs in the NFL were Marion butts and Natron means he means business. And it was and Chris Berman, Natron means business and Marion, you know, cigarette butts or whatever. I, I, 
God, the pads that Marion Butts had on last night. And I forgot. I totally forgot he was on the Patriots. Of course. You think of him as a San Diego Charger as number 35. Yeah. 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 Um, this game that we're doing, let me just give you some of and the- And I loved Christian Aquaria too, but go ahead. Oh, of course. Yeah. And Barry Word, whoever else Barry you want to Word mention. Up. Barry Word Up. Barry Word Up. Um, we're doing a game. So you can go on NFL.com. You can find it. It's called Run It Back. It's going to be on YouTube. The first one we did was the Freddie Mitchell game in- 2004 when it was fourth and 26 and McNabb hits Freddie Mitchell. And we end up talking about the Freddie Mitchell play, but we end up talking a lot more about Todd Pinkston, who's the other wide receiver who's got just chicken legs and is dominating this game and talking about Amon Green and why we never think of Amon Green as one of the great running backs of that era. But anyway, we're doing this game and it's Warren Moon, which would end up being his last game as a Houston Oiler. It's, It's Joe Montana. And the wild part is this is two weeks after Kevin Gilbride gets punched in the face by Buddy Ryan. <laughs> and the Twitter entire broadcast. And the yeah. game is is Dick Ebersall for NBC. He's the lead guy. Dick Ebersall's the play by play guy. No, no, no. Dick Emberg. Dick Emberg. I'm sorry. Dick Ebersall probably put them in the booth. Of right. course. Dick Ebersall is the executive. Dick Enberg is doing the play by play. And it's uh Bob Trumpy, who you probably oh. remember Bob Trumpy's yeah, name. Of course. You know, of course. old tight end and he was the game. Yeah. He's fantastic. He's yeah. fantastic. And and the entire broadcast, every play that happens, it's a cutaway to Buddy Ryan grimacing or rolling his eyes. And it's it's incredible. And Montana takes a beating. And part of the broad part of the stuff that me and Kyle are, are riffing about is holy cow. Like Montana has an elbow that looks like a baseball. He's getting knocked around. The refs are not protecting him. And Joe Montana as a chief. We we remember, okay, he had a nice little playoff run. People forget Joe Montana missed two full seasons from the NFL shows up with the chiefs in 93 and takes them to uh, the playoffs wins a game in overtime against the Pittsburgh Steelers on a crazy comeback mm. and then comes back all the way in the Astrodome in the house of pain and beats the Oilers. And it would end up being was- <clears throat> one of the great comebacks of Joe Montana's career. And it's forgotten because you know whatever it, it, time goes on and we forget but we went back and revisited it and it's just fantastic was marty schottenheimer the chief's coach then marty schottenheimer's the coach okay and yeah. they're down 10 nothing and joe montana hits a guy named keith cash tight end and mm. those who are diehard nfl fans might remember this keith cash scores a touchdown makes it 10 to 7 takes the ball and he spikes the ball on a poster of buddy ryan's face in the oh, end zone love it and it's like the most violent like touchdown celebration. And me and Kyle go into a whole riff on like, if this were to happen today, if Gronk was to score a touchdown and then go and throw the ball at a drawing of the face of the defensive coordinator, I think the broadcasters would be outraged. They'd be like, what an immature, petulant guy. Bob oh, yeah. Trumpy and Enberg are loving it. Like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> There's no great. place for that in the game. Yeah, no place sure. for that. That's yeah, sport. Yeah. There's kids watching. Sportsmanship, um, yeah. But it's all about the look and the feel of the yes. player and yes. like the broadcast. There's no first and ten. There's no score. There's no bottom line ticker. It's very odd and yeah. yet in completely, completely endearing. It was great. Well, I, I did. I had a couple of awful people reply to me on Twitter last night about like, how can you watch this with no? You know, it's very hard to watch this with no score bug and, and no down. And, and, and like that person is one. Why are you sending me that tweet? Like, if I'm sitting here saying I enjoy this, I don't need you to come in and tell me you're not. I don't give a shit. And two. Um, that's not why you're, you're not watching the game for the actual score and the, the play. I mean, you're, you're doing it all wrong and don't tweet me. Um, it, it's just so good. Those, the parcels screaming at every player last night was phenomenal. Just constantly berating people. Loved it. Which leads me to a segue on this podcast, which is your podcast to my question based on this Michael Jordan documentary. Can I ask you it? Okay. Can we dig in? We can dig in. I here. I'm so torn. I have. I. I want to talk about the last dance. I want to just ask one question. I have so much to say about the last dance, but I. I I'm very terrified of saying it because there's going to be backlash, and I'm not in the mood to deal. We're with not it. being cynical. We're not being not, negative. No, no, it's, it's not, not about, about the actual documentary. It's a question to you, Go ahead. in a sports media sense. Right, right. That I think you and your listeners can ponder. Go ahead. If Michael Jordan was treating teammates. Like he treated in that 1998 season that we see and that all of the people on Twitter are championing and loving and saying, oh, he's got such incredible vision. What a savage. What a winner. Whatever. If there was an athlete who is doing that today, 
with the same people on Twitter who are lionizing and loving Michael Jordan's intensity and commitment to excellence and in crazy way he treated these teammates, but that he brought them along with these same exact people praising Michael Jordan's greatness today, be appalled if an athlete was to treat a teammate that way in 2020. No, they would be trying to take down Michael Jordan 24-7 because I, I'll say that would not fly today. There'd be a lot of backlash. Um, I, I don't I, think it flew then. I don't think it was celebrated. I'm saying the same people on Twitter who were praising, I, what a look at the focus, look how he talks to well, these guys. Well, like look, look how he treated Scott Burrell. And again, Jordan goes out of the way to say, you know, hey, but off the court, I was great. And I, you know, Burrell says the same thing. He was as awesome as it could be, but on the court, the same exact people talking both out, both sides of their mouth. And I don't have names, but like, I just, well, see I'll, get, I'll say, I'll say this. I'll say this. This is one of the problems. I don't even know if you want to say problem, but this is one thing that I think people have to understand. The documentary is airing on ESPN. ESPN people, staff, dominate Twitter more than any other sports organization. Those people are never going to say one negative thing about the documentary or Michael Jordan. And I don't even mean negative. You're not going to see a critique. You're not going to see, you know, there was even an incident uh, this Sunday where the, the, the episode where he wins the title after his dad dies, it's father's day. He throws himself on the floor. He's hysterically crying. I don't understand then how you don't cut to him today and say, talk to me about that moment. What was going through your head? But, no one from ESPN is ever going to say that. You're never going to get one ESPN person offering a critique or anything about Jordan or the documentary. So that's why when you go on Twitter, it looks like people are just orgasming 24-7 over the documentary because the biggest media company entity in the sports world can't offer anything other than this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. So we can do it because we're not affiliated with ESPN. Now, having said that, the documentary is great. It's phenomenal. It's entertaining. It's uh, the old stuff, the old footage, Marv doing games with Bill Walton. It's like amazing. you said, those, you know, those Suns uniforms that they were trim the old baby blue Nets uniform. Ugh. Like the documentary could not be more enjoyable. But you can critique some things that are not in it or not covered. And for me, you know, I don't have this. I think Michael Jordan is the single greatest basketball player of all time. That's my opinion. But I don't have this, let me get on my hands and knees and bow down to him type thing. Like when I watch that, I think, okay, yes, on one hand, he seems like an extremely cool individual, the way, you know, with the cigars and the suits. Yeah. And, but I see that and I'm like, he, I wouldn't want to hang out with him for five minutes. He seems exhausting. <laughs> he seems exhausting to be around with the constant, just, you know, busting balls and, um, everything's a competition and this and that. like, I, 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 I can't be around people like that for a long time. I want to be like, just can, you got to calm down for five minutes. And, and Michael Jordan's response, which is what he says when he's critiqued for being a tough teammate. Well, then I'm not for you. I'm not, a, right. and also and with like being, a, being yeah. a mentor, then I'm not your guy. And Jimmy, you grew up in where Long Island? Where are you from? Yeah. 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 Long so Island. I'm assuming you were more of a Mason Oakley guy mm -hmm. and you're a Ewing guy. I was, and yep. I was actually, I grew up in New Jersey and I know it sounds crazy, but like Petrovic and, and Kenny Anderson and Derek Coleman and all those guys were my guys growing up. And yeah, you know, I, I think I don't view Jordan the same way either. And yet I find this documentary to be such a wonderful trip down memory lane. For yeah, me. yeah. And that's what I love. Like it brings back such warm feelings of when I really loved the NBA and mm -hmm. when the things were real, like the rivalry stuff with Isaiah is real and it's still real. I see now, you know, whoever is drinking wine with LeBron James in a barbershop and they're all just complaining about, you know, the media and it's like, I get it. But like, I kind of wish there were some rivalries and that there was some, um, actual, oh, without you know, a doubt, without, you know, like it was so much better back then. So much better. And the NBA, I, as far as the documentary itself, I think it's fantastic. Uh, a little bit too much BJ Armstrong. Is that fair to say? I don't think BJ Armstrong plays a major, <laughs> major role in Michael Jordan's story. And yet I, I, I see a lot of BJ Armstrong. I don't have a problem with, with that. That's fine. You don't, you don't, you don't wax. I, I could have done with game that. two I, of the divisional round. Now see, like, and, I'll give you one thing. Everybody loved this week. And I didn't love was the LeBradford Smith thing because it just came off like a guy making a story. Up. <laughs> yeah. Like 
Well, no, but Jordan's the one who made it up. I know. Like it came. Right. So, but my, so it's like, okay, so he's the greatest player of all time, but he needs like to make up a story about LeBradford Smith. No, he doesn't need to make up a story about LeBradford Smith. It's because when he, he, he can put the ball in the hoop, like no one ever could like, but I think you know. that, you know, and it goes without saying that's a window into the psychosis right. and the mental. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like I find gamesmanship him- that he needs. He needed that edge, you know? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I wrote about it Monday for SI.com, got great response. A lot of people read it. It was good about, you know, the narrative that the documentary, you know, because he punched Steve Kerr in the face and he would bully uh, Scott Burrell, that, that's what made Jordan the Bulls great. It's just such a, the Bulls won championships because of Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Dennis Rodman's basketball ability. Not because Michael Jackson, uh, Michael Jackson, not because Michael Jordan was an asshole. It's just such a ridiculous, like, so Tim Duncan won how many rings? Was yeah. he an animal? Five, no. Maybe? Yeah. Like what kind of ridiculous narrative is that to push? Yeah. Um, I'll say this about it because he does have editorial control or at least final say, because right. I think he's one of the producers. The, you know, you got, you got this guy, Slim Boulder in the third episode, who's a golf hustler where Jordan's testifying in court. Like they could have easily said, get that out of here. We're talking about his gambling stuff. They could have said, get that out of here. We go into some things that are unsavory about Jordan, which I actually appreciate. My only fear in, and maybe it's not even a fear is that there really isn't a voice for Jerry Krause on this thing. Right, and right. he's been painted in such a way as a man who is no longer with us. I don't know if that's fair to his legacy. I think Jerry Reinsdorf gives some counter to it. And maybe Krause was as bad a guy or as you know, just cold and callous as they're putting him in here. But I, I would have loved to have had a counter on some of this and been like, hey, look, Jerry Krause traded Olden Polonese for Scottie Pippen. Jerry Krause <laughs> identified Tony Kukoc in the second round of the draft when no other right. team thought to even go to Europe for a player. And Jerry Krause was able to find a way to manage to keep all these egos in check with their, you know, whatever. I, I don't know if Jerry Krause sounds like he's not exactly the most warm and beloved guy, but there is a place for, for another voice on that. And I think when you get it through the lens of the player or especially Jordan, um, you know, a lot of guys are given a pass on some things, but you know, Jerry Krause, may he rest in peace, was not necessarily as lucky. Yeah, I had a little bit of an issue with it early on, but it was sort of like one of those things where, like, you know, the guy is past. What are you going to do? They're in a tough spot there. Um, I don't think they've been bashing him as much in the recent episodes, so it wasn't. It was more of a thing for me the first two episodes, I think. But I, you know, that's a tough spot for them because what are you going to do? He's not here to tell his side of the story. That the story behind this thing, which is cool, and I've heard it from a few people. Um, so they followed them around for the 97-98 season, and there was this DVD floating around that was about, I guess, uh, you know, 10 hours or 100 hours of footage that they just had raw, and they were like, let's do something with it. And for years, it bounced around. Bill Simmons was talking about it on his podcast. He had an opportunity to view the DVD. It was almost like an urban legend, all this stuff. And then finally, Michael Jordan signed on to say, okay, I'll be a part of it. And they pushed it back. They pushed it back. They pushed it back. They finally get him on, on camera. That season, just sitting there on the ice, like having all that footage is such a goldmine. And I almost fear that like, if we were to get that access today, we would rush to put it on and, mm-hmm. you know, Amazon all or nothing, which NFL films does the very next year and it or hard knocks right away. Like, is, is there a value in saving the footage for a decade and then revisiting it and doing there it with is the polishing it. of a documentary? There is, if you can have patience. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. I'd like to see it unedited, but that's never going to happen with anyone. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I've seen the conspiracy theory out there that like Jordan did this now because there are people who think LeBron's better than I mean, can you imagine having a brain that functions that way that Michael Jordan is sitting at home in North Carolina or whatever? And he's like, you know what? I read a couple of columns, you know. There's maybe one or two people out there that think LeBron's better than me. I'm going to release all this footage now. Like, do you, it's do scary you, that, you know. Do you I honestly mean, think, like, I, do you think that's ever left him? I know he didn't talk to the media and he goes in his bubble, but well, one thing I've noticed from this, which isn't being touched on by the commentators, it's like they show him reading newspapers the morning well, right, of a game. Yeah. Like the internet didn't exist back then. And like Jordan would read the criticism. He read it so much so that he would ice out reporters if they wrote about him in a right. negative light or didn't contact him. You know, that SI stuff is is wild to consider considering he was the biggest star in sports and did not participate with your publication over the course of his NBA playing career after the baseball stuff because of that, that cover story and, and all that stuff. I don't think that goes away. I think Jordan doesn't suddenly become a social media guy, but I do think he's aware of the conversations. If he was so laser focused then and still was able to know who was writing what and who was saying what, I think he certainly is aware of it now. Well, that for me is the second, my, if, if you say to me, give me last dance, your first two thoughts, your first two thoughts on the last dance. One, it's that Jordan seems exhausting to be around. And then the other one is, it's very confusing to me that I've always considered him the most mentally tough athlete. What I saw him do to the Knicks over the years was just, it was just so demoralizing when he wanted to hit that shot late in the game, he hit that shot. And I've always thought of him as being so mentally tough, but he's a huge, big baby when it comes to the media stuff. And I would be fascinated to see him around today with the internet and Twitter, and most importantly, camera phones, because that's what would have done him in back then is people taking pictures of him at strip clubs in Atlantic city and casinos, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you know, if you do some deep Googling, there's stuff out there on him that, you know, not exactly Googling. Yeah. Um, (laughs) He, Jimmy's going but, to the dark, the dark web to get his. Well, I can't, content. I can't say what I want to say because you know you have to say allegedly and all that. But you know, there's um, things. But no, that, he that sensitivity seems, certainly, certainly it, inspires him. And it's not just the SI thing. I mean, he. It was two episodes ago or three episodes where he said like he he needed a break from the media. Basically, you needed a break from the media back then. Oh my God, you give me. Are you serious? Give, people who are either not prominently involved enough or are not in it at all that you would love to see on this thing that you haven't seen yet. Who's that? I'm asking you, are there two people? Um, you know, I, I think it's bizarre. We're not hearing from Marv at all because nobody called Jordan's games more than him. Uh, but he wouldn't have dirt, but nobody watched Jordan more than Marv Albert. So I think it's very strange that we haven't heard from Marv at all on this. Unless I don't know, maybe there's a thing where TNT won't let him do the ESPN. Who knows? No, um, no, no. we've got, we've got all those. We got Kenny Smith clips. We got all that. Yeah. There. Um, is there some, I mean, I know what's it. Who was the guy who was all pissed off that he wasn't on it? Oh, Peter Vesey. But I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure who I'm trying to think. Is there someone who's not on it who I need to hear from? Um, no, it's a good question. I haven't really thought about. I, a couple I think guys, was, I was thinking like, yeah, 
I think it. I think Vessi should have been included. He was like the lead NBA insider at the time, and in a but lot of ways. An, but does he have an agenda? I don't know. In a lot of ways, he would defend Jordan. I think there was one time where he came on air, and I someone sent me the clip, and he was furious that they brought up, you know, that the the, the gambling stuff, whatever it was, and he was like, "This is not fair to Michael Jordan," whatever it was. Right. Like, so he's he was he was a very big figure back then. That's all I'm saying. Like, and if he wanted to be included, I would have loved to seen it. And of course, you can't get everybody on. I actually, I'm not saying it because you know we've mentioned his name. I think. When it comes to modern historians or guys who talk about this sport, I think, I think Bill Simmons pretty much has owned that space. See, here's the, last the problem with years. that. Here's the problem with that. I if if he's on there, the first thing in my head is he's a Celtics fan, so he's coming at it from. Hey, I want to hear his thoughts. He's he's like, analyzed. He's got a yeah. 800 page book on basketball, and the last one, who I who I could understand because if you do the as you would put it a Google search or whatever, like there are some you know, views that maybe are not favorable or there's some backlash and Jordan would never want him included. But like Craig Hodges is a really interesting character in this thing. And we haven't seen or mentioned his name once. He was a key mm. player on those early teams, the first two championships, won the you know three point contest and isn't anywhere to be found on this thing. Maybe Craig Hodges would have been an interesting guy to yeah. speak to as well. I don't know. Um, another one, another, I'll tell you what I don't think would have, uh, what I think would have been, controversial today and i don't know if it was back then but i know today it wouldn't it would get a lot of coverage is you know they're on nbc basically every week the bulls you have costas doing the studio and then i guess he did the play-by-play for marv when marv got in trouble and you know costas everyone thinks of costas as sort of the grand poobah of sports journalism but meanwhile his colleague who's a sideline reporter is in a car and having dinner and best friends with Jordan. And he's going to, going to do the sideline reports. Uh, you know, that one today, I mean, you have Ahmad Rashad <laughs> doing interviews with his friend. Do you know, I think today that would get shredded and Costas would get, you know, where, you know, Costas calls out all of the journalistic um, bumps in the road. He would get bombarded for a comment on that. I'm torn with Ahmad because if you have someone who has that access, I think that's pretty invaluable. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, if, I'll say this. I don't know Listen. if I look at Ahmad Rashad as, as well, say, Cronkite. He's a former right, right. football well, player. Here's the difference. Know? Here's the thing. After the Bulls beat, you know, the Cavaliers in a game, do I have an issue if Ahmad Rashad's interviewing Jordan and says, oh, tell me what you did to get 36 points tonight? No. Couldn't care less. It's irrelevant. But when everyone thinks Jordan's getting kicked out of the league for having a gambling problem and NBC sends a mod Rashad to do the interview, that's an issue. He wouldn't have done the interview if it wasn't a mod. That's where I come back because well, I, I'm sensitive to that. Let me explain because I feel like in the NFL. As is a that reporter, Kyle? Who's calling you? Is it Kyle, Nate, or Kay? How about that landline? Is that not wild? Is that a landline? That's a landline, bro. We might have to explain to people what that is. That's a landline for your young millennial listeners. No answering machine with a landline? Oh, I'm sure it's going right now. All right. Um, Give me the Ahmad. This is the defense of that role as someone who is a reporter and has relationships and can often get and land and secure sit downs that other reporters can't. I think it could be an asset to have an Ahmad Rashad. And I'll go one further. I love this Jordan documentary. Holy cow. Would I love an Ahmad Rashad one hour documentary because (laughs) Ahmad Rashad's career is fascinating. Went from being a a star football player. Right. To being like a household like fixture in our NBA lot. And inside stuff ran for 16 years. It was on every Saturday morning after yep. Saved by the Bell. Like you'd watch it. Um, Jordan's got, do you know who Ahmad Rashad's groomsmen and his wedding were? Well, I saw that. I, so I had tweeted the other night about it's always funny for me to remember that he married Claire Huxtable. And someone sent me the picture of his groomsmen, OJ Simpson and Bill Cosby. I mean, the the <laughs> life of Ahmad Rashad. And then I heard a rumor that he and Jordan get together and, and screen the, and like watch them in real time. I don't know who told me that. It was like a fun rumor. I don't know if it's true or not, but like they text or something during watching the last dance. So they're still boys. Yeah. Um, I have no problem with Ahmad Rashad journalistically. That's never been my thing. I don't, well, I didn't go to journalism school. Like I said, I interviewing just, him yeah. after a game about the game is fine, but. You know, that was the other thing on, on Sunday night. Oh my God. So 
you know, there so many people were outraged that people were making a connection back then between his father's death and Jordan. And did, you know, did Jordan do something or the gambling problem? And people were just outraged, like, I can't believe this. And people owe him an apology. I'm like, I said, there's people on Twitter right now who think Barack Obama's behind coronavirus. Like, yeah. you're getting all worked up about it. Michael Jordan getting, I mean, you can't possibly be, I mean, it's the reaction to what, to people watching this is, is really hard to take sometimes. And yet so welcomed, like for two hours oh, on Sunday nights, yeah. there's like, it's almost like sports because we're it all is. gathering, we're yeah. all watching it. Everyone's got their thoughts. And I'll just hit on my first point from the start of this thing. I'm so grateful that it's, that it's been dropped in our laps, but like the warm, memories i have of some of these old players and some of these old broadcasters like i see robin roberts on sports center and i just yeah. smile i see dan right. patrick looking like he's 25 years old with a great lead into jordan's you know return to chicago like i, I just i have such a fondness in my heart for that yes. era of basketball yes. and sports and i don't know there's a certain sadness and loneliness that we lost that era and now it's been completely commoditized well, it's kind of different but also we've lost that because we're in new york where we don't have we haven't had a team for 20 years i mean that's a problem in all this as well but it was funny because i wanted to tweet something and i couldn't i couldn't formulate the words properly and i didn't know how to convey it properly and i didn't know if they had already but i feel like there needs to be a 30 for 30 just on the sports center anchors and i don't mean like what's the life of Robin Roberts like, or what's the, li I mean, just like, Where they just know. show me the, just show me the pictures from back then and, and clips from back then. Like there's got it. I mean, when you think about, you know, just seeing like Tarico did sports center. Yeah. You know, Rich Eisen sports center. Larry um, Beal. Yeah. Like, you know, people know about Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann and all, and all that. But I mean, it, you know, Mark Jones, who does all like the college games, you know, was a sports center guy. And that's um, not even. I, don't, I think a lot of the clips we're getting from Mark Jones. There's a show that used to be on Tuesday afternoons after school, like four thirty, yeah. called "This Week in the NBA" on ESPN or NBA This Week. And I would gobble it up. I was an NBA diehard, and like I love that Mark Jones was the host of it because I remember it. It was on Tuesdays. I think that these clips are from that show. Like he had his yeah. own show where he would talk NBA. I, Craig Kilborn, yeah, he's a sport, yeah. an expert, yeah. and like a great one that would always be on. Everyone knows Stuart Scott and Dan Patrick and right, Keith Olbermann, right. but you know, seeing Linda Cohn is so nice. Like these are the, these are the people we grew up with. It's fantastic. Yeah. Charlie Steiner and wow. Jack Edwards, Kenny Maine. And you know, it's, it's, uh, that's to me is, you know, that's when I watch sports center, you know, I don't watch it now. You know, I watch Van Pelt and you know, now if I'm up, but like, that's when you had to watch it. You had you had no choice if you were a sports fan. You had to watch it, basically. Now you, you realize we used to wake up Monday mornings, open a newspaper, and tabulate how many rushing yards your running back had and how many touchdowns. Yeah. It, this is how we did fantasy sports. You USA. would tabulate it by with a marker in the newspaper, yeah. and you would only get your highlights from Chris Berman and Tom Jackson on a Sunday night because there yeah. was no chance before DirecTV that you even saw that Rams 49ers game on the West Coast and saw what Jim Everett did. Like, the, And the people that told us and shaped our opinions on sports were those guys. Yeah. And it's, a, it's a, yeah. I mean, I do the morning show now for NFL Network. I can't imagine I'm coming on on many Monday mornings and I'm telling the viewer about a game that happened on Sunday if they're watching our show right. that they don't already know what happened. Yeah, yeah. It was always Monday morning was always USA Today because I couldn't take a chance that the Daily News or the Post would be like a late edition and then yeah. I would get the Sunday night game in there because you had to grade the fantasy the fantasy game that week. So good, USA Today. All right, we covered it all. We uh, we went through it. Is there? I, I know you wanted to talk about the last dance. Is there anything left on the table for you to say? I love it, but I also am open to saying we might need episodes 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. <laughs> that would be nice. What um, uh, here's a question for you. Let's do this. If there was if they were going to do something similar to the Last Dance, same exact thing with one NFL player, who would you want to see it be? Oh, if you were to ask me, team, it would be like no, the no, 90s no, Cowboys. Not, oh, okay, okay, nineties Cowboys. Yeah, that's 90s good. Cowboys would be that's amazing good. player. Yeah. Um. I go back and forth because there's guys who have these wild lives like off the field and there's guys that are just right. truly committed on the field. Uh, yeah, I could, 
I could go a lot of ways on that one. I don't have an answer. Who All right, player? And '90s Cowboys would be the ultimate documentary. It still hasn't right. been done. Right. None of those guys have gotten on camera. None of them have gotten together. But the stories that you get, whether it be from Jeff Perlman's book or from, and not even the salacious stuff. I'm talking just the stories of Dave Wanstat explaining the defensive meetings. You know, to me when I'm doing my show for Fox, like. These guys have so many stories that have yeah. not been told, and I feel like now is the golden era. I would love a ten-part series on the Jimmy Johnson, and then even the Barry Switzer Cowboys. That era is fantastic to me. That's a good answer. Good answer. Do you know when the Do you know when the run it back with you and Kyle doing the uh, Oilers uh, goes Chiefs up vote? tonight? Tonight, Tuesday okay. night, right, NFL.com. So okay, and then it'll be on YouTube as well. I. I don't know if you're a fan of listening to me, Gab, uh, with you right now. If you're a listener and you don't usually watch Good Morning Football, Kyle and I, we have a blast together. It's fun. And if you've enjoyed what Jimmy and I are talking about going back down memory lane, I I greatly encourage you to give it a shot. I think you'll like it. That's It's perfect because I've wanted an old Oilers game, Warren Moon, run and shoot. So I will. Uh, I'm, this comes out Wednesday morning, so it'll already be on NFL Network. So that's perfect. You'll get plenty of Haywood Jeffries if you wish. There you go. Love it. And uh, Given, Ernest Givens. Ernest Givens. Curtis Duncan. Curtis Duncan. That's it. That was it right there. With, and they never had a good running back. They had, who was the running back? Like, Lorenzo White. Lorenzo White, yeah. In this oh. game, though, it's Gary oh. Brown. Remember the old giant? Yeah. Gary Brown. Yeah. Lorenzo was hurt. Yep. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. All right. Shregs, appreciate it. Stay well. And uh, we will uh, talk to you soon. Good yeah, morning, man, football. Jimmy. Enjoy it. Thank you, dude. All right. Take care. All right. My thanks to Peter Schrager. Great conversation. Enjoyed it a lot. He was tremendous. You can see him every day, Monday through Friday, NFL Network. Good morning, football. And uh, check out Run It Back with him and Kyle Brandt. If you missed any previous podcasts, we've had some good ones lately. Iron Eagle last week was tremendous. Two weeks ago, Chris Long. And three weeks ago, Michael Imperioli, Steve Sharippa of The Sopranos. So those are all in the archives page. Give those a listen and a download. And if you're not a subscriber, please hit the subscribe button. It helps me tremendously. And that will wrap up this edition of the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. We'll see you next week. Stay safe and take care. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.